Hey, 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 closet busters and bold move makers. It is time once again for Life Uncloset. So I want you to gather around because it is time once again to kick down those closet doors of your life. We're here to escape our BS, explore our fears, and elevate our self-expression. I'm your host, Rick Clemens. I'm the bold move expert and that coming out guy who's going to take you to the party, the pulpit, the wake, and back to the party of living your life uncloseted. So come on along with me and grab hold of yourself and get ready to step out, step up, and step into facing your fears, making your bold moves, and living life without apologies. Now let's get to the show. Hey, 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 Life Uncloseted family. It is time once again for Life Uncloseted Podcast. I'm your host, Rick Clemens. And once again, I just want to make sure if you are struggling with anything in this day and age, which most of us are, but um, if you're really struggling, like what's next, what should life look like? Go hop over to the website. Go and take that um, uncloseted life assessment. See what you find out. I've got a lot of people hopping in there taking that. And we just have some quick conversations after you've done that. See if I can help you out. It's always available. It's always free. It's over there at rickclemens.com. Or you can even find it on lifeuncloseted.com. So it is Pride Month. Yay. This is where we started this whole podcast was back in the days when everything was about coming out and we still talk about lots of different coming out stories. But I thought in this particular time in our world, it's probably really good to continue to focus on what does it mean to be prideful? What does it mean to have a diverse workforce? What does it look like to have a quality still in play? Because none of that stuff has gone away. And as I was thinking about guests, like, okay, what am I going to do this month for pride? A, a person reached out to me and said, I have somebody who I think would be really good. And I was like, well, I don't know. And then I'm like, no, actually, this would be really, really good because I was struggling to think, what could I do to kick off pride? Month? So I am really excited to be kicking off pride month, talking about diversity inclusion and bringing a fellow coach on to the program. His name is John Volturo. And he does a lot of great stuff in diversity, inclusion, leadership, executive coaching. And we thought we'd just have a conversation today about what does it look like in this day and age with diversity and inclusion. So, John, welcome to the podcast, man. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Of course. So you have been coaching for a while, but you've also been really involved in corporate stuff and moving people through some of the difficult stuff like growing businesses, startups, and all that sort of stuff. But what drew you into that space where you realized, man, this diversity and stuff is really as important as anything else to growing teams. Yeah. You know, for me, it goes back to my very first job. I got out of college and started working at Showtime. And we all know that as a really, you know, great content producer. And when I was there, I was one of the few out gay people was in New York City. But I was, you know, an out gay person who really wanted to ascend in my career and felt like I was there for a reason. And everything I did was going to be around helping the company achieve because if it did, I would too. Mm. But I, I quickly discovered, this is back, you know, right when I graduated from college, it's the late 80s, early 90s, that there was something, I didn't know what it was called, but there was something called a rainbow ceiling for me. And part of it was because I was gay, probably a big part of it. And while it wasn't because the people were bad in any way it was that they had stereotypes of what it was like for me to be a gay person yeah and their version of it wasn't a leader mm -hmm. so i decided to do something uh that was only the thing i knew how to do which was to go back to school and get an mpa because i thought that's what people valued and maybe they would look at that versus um the fact that i was gay and right. out 
and they would value me more. So for me, it was how do I value myself more? And that really started a very lifelong conversation with me as a leader every time I had the opportunity to to hire people and bring people mm -hmm. onto the team and what that team would look like. I like this concept of how do you value yourself more? Because I think it's something that sometimes we overlook in our own personal lives, but and also in our careers that we will set something aside and it's like, okay, well, I don't value myself quite in that way. But yet if you look at it, step away like you did and go, okay, but how do I value myself in this arena? I work with, as you do, a lot of different people who are like, one of the things they struggle with is their self-esteem and their confidence and stuff to be who they are. And whether it's a leader in an organization or someone who's just coming out of the closet. And the real question really comes down to how much do you value you? You know, because if you don't value you, you don't stand in a space of confidence and I hate to say it, people can see that stuff pretty easily. They can see when you're not confident. So they go for the people who are like, here, there's this person with confidence and this person who really values himself. Uh, and so I think it's important for us as we look at what what is pride all about and where are we and why is this still important? I've had a couple of people ask me this question. I'm sure you have, too. And I'd love for you to kind of like weigh in on this is. Well, do we really need diversity and inclusion in this day and age? <laughs> of course, I want to bitch slap them upside the head and go, yes, of course we do, you know. But um, I'm curious, how do you handle a question like that? Like, do we really need this? You know, it's a really interesting question because I often wonder who is asking that question. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of the times that question comes from someone who has the privilege of not having to deal with those issues yep. growing up. Because it starts when we're growing up, we're others when yep. we're growing up and whether we know it or not, people might sense the energy we have that, you know, in my case, my mother said, I knew you were gay from a little kid and I think I might've treated you a little bit differently because of it. So yeah, I think, it, I think it's hard for people to ask that question without having walked in somebody else's shoes. So what I normally say is it's probably more important than ever because we're having a conversation right now where, where people are asking whether it's important. And we know with women in particular, there's no, pay equity. I just wrote a piece published in Medium about the gay pay gap. There's a significant gay pay gap. Those things are due to the fact that we don't have enough diversity, equity, and inclusion in the workplace. Yeah. And, and I like it that you're addressing all levels. I, I, and I don't knock anybody who's doing diverse, diversity and inclusion work and only focus on the LGBTQ because you know there are people who need to just focus on one sector to do their job really well. But I know as I have interviewed people over the years, and especially in the last few months, it's coming up a lot. Like, okay, this isn't just about gay. This isn't just about women. This isn't just about race. It's, there's a lot of different things. There's ages and there's all these other things. And people tend to think, oh, diversity, inclusion, oh, that's just a, a, a you know, person of color thing. No, mm -hmm. it's a woman thing. Okay, well, then it's just a woman thing. No, it's not just a woman thing. It can mm -hmm. be, I'm a 56-year-old guy, and I'm like, I'm glad I have my own business, but I think about sometimes, like, what would it look like if I actually tried to re-enter the workforce right now? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It would probably be not the best experience, because they're like, you know, okay, you're kind of a nice-looking guy, but you're old. <laughs> You know, <laughs> and it doesn't matter what, what you have. So I'm curious as you step into those realms, what is the most predominant thing you're finding right now in the diversity inclusion realm? Is there one particular arena that sticks out or is it still pretty much a, hey, it's kind of women, it's kind of race, it's kind of LGBTQ. Is there any particular area that seems to be the most prevalent right now? You know, it's, it's still 
it's still women mm-hmm. and you know followed by people of color and then what i don't think people think about is the fact that lgbtq population also has this issue you know we comprise what between 11 and 13 million people mm-hmm. uh you know a huge portion of the workforce so it's a real issue for us and i often hear things like well you know that's not the case in los angeles that's not the case in new york city well guess what more lgbt people live outside those cities than they do inside those cities yeah. so it is it is an issue and i think you know during pride month it's really important to realize how pride evolved right it used mm-hmm. to be just a gay parade when i was a kid in new york city i grew up in right along the parade route right and now it's called pride which right. means that everyone who supports us is included and the allies are really critical portion of making sure that the story about the inequality of pay the inequality of the way you can show up authentically at work you know mm-hmm. especially with the work that you do uh, relies on allies to yeah. help craft the path often people say to me well it's the gay person's job to do that and i often say back is it really is it really the gay person's job or is it the person who has the privilege who could open up the door to allow the gay person through or the lgbt person through to help make the change mm-hmm. and help to kind of you know appeal to the hearts and minds of people it's interesting that people like to put that on our backs it's your job it's your and and i i don't want to say it's not because i'm i've been very vocal i mean i came out late in life and i, I wouldn't say i i came out waving the flag but i came out like hey this is just who i am okay mm-hmm. so get over it if you don't like it that's okay cuz i don't i don't need anybody's approval anymore but I find it interesting when people lay those responsibilities on us. It's like, okay, so is it really the, you know, people of color's responsibility to bury, you know, to carry that weight? They own part of it, but it's everybody's responsibility to go, okay, let's make room for this. Let's figure this out. You know, it's how do we come to the table in these arenas? And I was having a conversation with a, a, a black friend of mine the other day and we were talking through this very same thing and it was interesting to have the conversation and realize how different things are triggering different outcomes right now or different behaviors. <laughs> and even as we're all, you know, we're, we're a few months into this whole COVID thing, but I remember at the very beginning, it was like, Oh, it's just this. And then suddenly I remember reading the first headline, like, so black, you know, Americans are actually more susceptible to this. And I thought, here we go again. You know, <laughs> it's mm-hmm. crazy that it's these things that suddenly, and of course, you know, I'm, you know, other than the real loony bins out there, they're like, it's a gay plague, you know. Um, it's just mm-hmm. interesting to see how so much diversity inclusion stuff shows up every day in our lives. And yet most people are like, oh, do we really need this still? They just don't see it. And it does come down to that privilege piece. So when you're around doing some of the work that you do and you're in working with some of those leaders, what is something that a leader of an organization in, you know, I know it's a big question because it's going to be so different for each one, but something common that it feels like they struggle in their organizations with diversity and inclusion. What's like a common thread? Yeah. You know, it's interesting. The, the first time that people really notice it in my experience and in the work I'm doing is who's sitting at a table making key decisions for a company. Mm -hmm. Often today, and I've I've been a chief marketing officer for a decade, general manager of large private and public companies. So I've sat at that table for many, many years for decades Mm -hmm. and have looked around and not seen a woman 
not seeing a person of color and seeing basically white middle-aged men who are making decisions for people who purchase their products who are very diverse. So the the first thing that I always did was try to invite people to that table Mm -hmm. who can make decisions on behalf of the actual customers and to help model for the rest of the company that we embrace diversion, diversity, you know, and it all starts with diversity, right? You know, there's a a reason why the D is the first letter. And it's just basically acknowledging that we are a different, um, you know, nation than we were before. So, you know, but once you have that diversity, we have to start building tools and mechanisms into the company. And often what I tell leaders, what I help leaders with is crafting policies for the company that are inclusive, that allow people to develop psychological safety. So, you know, when we're talking about Pride Month, a lot of people are able to go into the Pride celebrations because they feel safe in that environment. Well, would it be great if everybody who was LGBT walked into their office every morning and felt safe in their environment? So that's a, that's a big piece of the conversation. And then crafting policies that are culturally appropriate for, their, for the companies. I was actually working with, I, most of my listeners know that I, I work with another coaching company, coaching speakers to build their businesses. And one of my uh, clients over on that side, we were working on her brand and she does diversity inclusion work. And she brought up this term silent hostilities. And I thought that's really interesting because that's a really good way to look at this. It's mm-hmm. like, you don't realize the things and <laughs> that you say that suddenly it's like, oh wait, you know, not that we have to watch every little word, but sometimes it's just a matter of thinking about what, what gets said, you know, and mm-hmm. I usually always use the example of, you know, going into work in the school with my kids, teachers and stuff. And because I work from home, it's pretty easy for me to be the daddy volunteer, right? So it was me and all the moms, right? And I remember the first time I did it, um, somebody saying to me, so what did you and your wife do this weekend? <laughs> And, you know, me being who I am, I said, well, my partner and I, because at the time, that's what we were. We were domestic partners. My partner and I went wine tasting in Temecula. Mm -hmm. Oh, and that was at a time when partner, like literally, like you you knew if you use that P word, oh, you're gay, right? Right. And um, it was just such an interesting way to approach things. But I love that terminology she used of the silent hostilities because it shows up in so many ways. You know, Mm -hmm. it shows up in how we see people in their gender, how we see people in the in their race, we, how we see things in equity and equality. And it's something that I think too many people don't realize. And I'm raising my hand because I know at times I'm like, okay, I think I just said something that probably I should have like been a little more careful about. But it's really hard to recognize those things until people do, like what you said, sit down with a, a leader and say, okay, let's put these, these inclusion policies together because mm-hmm. we are a diverse planet, A, number one, and we can't help but do this in our workplaces. Um, so as you've done this work, what is something over the years that you've seen start to shift the most? Is there any particular thing? Yeah, for, first and foremost, it really is people acknowledging that diversity is good for business. Mm. And like I was saying before, and like you're saying too, it's the first piece of it is making sure that the HR managers are hiring people who reflect you know, the community in which yep. the office operates, number one. And also, you know, for the folks who are selling products to consumers, you know, making sure that they have a diverse staff who can, you know, look at the copy that's going out to make sure that it's appropriate for that culture. 
I work with advertising agencies who do a lot of cultural sensitivity work. And if you're creating a commercial, for example, for the Hispanic population, you have to make sure that you are touching upon the things that are really important. And guess what? It's different than things, that, you know, than the way you advertise to your general white population. So that is, that is a big piece of the first part. I find it interesting too in our own in our own community how much it's like we need to pay more attention to this too in how we as a LGBTQ community market and project products and services to our own because and there's just a lot of products I'm not going to call anyone out in particular but you know where here this is what it looks like to be gay and to be a gay man and, and I'm like Yes, but that's not what all gay men look like, you know, and it's it's been interesting to watch over the years, a couple of companies in particular, to see how they've started to like, oh, okay, yeah, I guess we probably should show like just some normal gay guys or some black gay men and some Asian <laughs> gay men. And, you know, it's an interesting space. And I find it really challenging at times within our own world to have conversations with people like, well, nobody's really paying attention to that stuff. I'm like, I think a lot of people pay attention to that stuff. That's why we have some of our own disparity in our own community. And I'm wondering how much you've seen that as well and observed some of those things where it's like, wait, we could do a better job here. Yeah, you know, you, you touched upon something really important. And it's something I notice in my world too, which is it does kind of start at home. You know, when you look at your friends, you know, do your friends look exactly like you or do they represent the beautiful diversity we have in this country? And I think for a lot of people, you know, for those who've gone to college, for example, their friend networks are pretty diverse because colleges tend to be a little bit more diverse. Right. But then when you go back into your communities at home, what does that look like? How does that right. shift? How does that change? And going back to, you know, raising awareness, corporate America recognized this a little while ago. And the first way you could understand how they recognize it is watch the commercials on TV. Mm-hmm. When you watch commercials on TV today, you would think that America is made up of people who are biracial couples. And there's a reason for that, because people should be represented. It might not be the, the norm, right? However, it is what we need to promote because we want everyone to see themselves. Because if you don't see yourself in your community, you don't feel like you exist. And that's a critical piece of actually you showing up as your authentic self, is to see others who look like you and to feel like you've been modeled in a healthy way that you can step into. It's interesting because, so John and I live pretty close to each other. He's in LA, I'm up the coast, halfway up the coast um, between LA and San Francisco. And I'm in San Luis Obispo where there's San, uh, Cal Poly San Luis Obispo. And I love this university. I've done some speaking there and stuff, but they struggle with this in a huge way. They have a very low ethnic population at this particular mm. university and they know it. They know they have this diversity issue. And as much as they bring students onto campus, and I've been on campus several times and I'm seeing little tours going around campus and, and I'm going to say something and I'm not meaning in a derogatory way, but when there's a population of brown potential students walking around campus, it's very obvious that they stick out. And that makes it really hard for them to want to stick in because mm -hmm. if I was walking around that campus and I'm a brown kid and I'm going, there's nobody here. There's nobody that looks like me. Mm -hmm. It would make it really hard for me to make that decision to come here, you know? 
Right. And I think that's a good example of how we suddenly can become quote unquote, just blind or numb to, Oh, this is just life. Yet when my husband and I moved here, that was one of the first things we would notice was like, and my husband's Hispanic. It's like, he's like one of the few Brown people here, mm-hmm. even though this is a really diverse community, there's a, there's a lot of diversity, a lot of liberal yeah. stuff and everything, but it's just interesting when you see it and you go, this is kind of weird. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, you don't, you don't quite know what to do with it. So now we take it back into your realm where you're walking into organizations and they have that issue. Mm-hmm. I think what most organizations, I'm going to let you kind of talk to this, miss is if that's the kind of environment you have where there's no diversity, I personally feel like that also limits you in how you can thrive as an organization. Mm -hmm. Do you find that a lot too? True. There are a lot of statistics that say if you have, you know, teams making decisions that are all white, for example, they will not be as profitable. Those decisions yep. will not be as profitable as if you had a diverse group of people making those decisions. So we're talking about double digit differences. Yeah. So that, you know, it affects the, the bottom line immediately. And that goes back to what we were talking about earlier, which is you have to have a team of, of individuals making decisions that reflect your customer base. So going back to, you know, how do you make people understand how important diversity is with businesses? It's often the bottom line. How can it improve your bottom line? Well, diversity improves your bottom line. But I want to bring up another point that you mentioned too with the school, which is a lot of educators will invite people of color, invite you know women groups to come to the schools. And if they don't see themselves at the schools, like you said, they're not going to want to fit in. Right. And they won't because they won't feel like they can fit in. The thing that I've seen happen is the next step has often been let's hire somebody to be the face of the school or the company who is of color, who's a woman. And maybe we, we do, we get three check boxes, a right. woman of color, who's a lesbian, right? right? Checks every box. <laughs> and that's the person who's inviting people to the school. Right. However, they need to recruit, right? Because it's mm-hmm. not good enough to have that person at the head saying, Oh, the school's really diverse. Look at me. I'm in this role of power. Well, guess what? Not everybody's going to be in a role of power. Mm-mm. We need to see other people who are walking around the school, feeling safe, walking around at night, going to events with their yeah. peers who are different than them and feeling safe. And then, you know what? Calling home and saying, I love this place. I feel like I fit in. Mm-hmm. That's when it kind of goes to the next level. Yeah, it definitely does. And it's, it's interesting to watch when you start to see that shift happen, that then in some ways things relax and yet in some ways things get a little more tense too. It's like, okay, there, because there's a shift, this is the shift mm-hmm. that's happening in real time. Mm-hmm. And I remember back in the nineties, I worked for a software company in Irvine, California, and it was a hotel software company. So we had people from all walks of life. A lot of the people who worked in that organization were previous hotel employees and not to generalize, but there's a lot of LGBTQ people that work in the hospitality service industry. And I remember we had one transgender female who worked in our support um, group. And I thought at the time, and I wasn't out at the time, but I thought, wow, this is so progressive. They have, you know, and she was beautiful and she presented pretty well other than unfortunately she had a bald head and long hair. So it was kind of obvious that there was something there, but 
it was so good to see this diversity in this company mm -hmm. and to feel it at that stage because that was real progress for in the 90s, you know, to be mm -hmm. so open and welcoming. And we were very successful. And I honestly, and that was the company where I came out of the closet. I honestly believe a lot of our success was because we had such an open and diverse workforce. Everything from a lot of LGBTQ people, obviously being in technology, there was a lot of diversity in the race in our, in our culture as well. And I saw us be really successful. And other than being good at what we did, I also contributed that we could send people across the globe to different cultures and we could be successful because not because we were sending, you know, the Asian people or not because we were sending the black people to things, but because we represent it. No matter where we were, we showed up as a diverse crew. I remember working in London and France and different areas, Tokyo, and we'd walk in with this very diverse group of people when we walk into um, trade shows. And then I'd look at our counterparts and it was like all white. Mm -hmm. So if you think about it from that perspective on a trade show floor, you're a hotelier who welcomes all kinds of people into your property and you walk past a booth of people who do software for hotels and the booth has all white versus, wow, there's somebody black, there's somebody, you know, Asian, there's not that we had mm -hmm. a pride flag, but you know, mm -hmm. you could tell the diversity of the people. Mm -hmm. I believe it really says a whole lot about who you are as a company and not that every company should like, here's our quota. <laughs> Because that's a whole different ball game that I don't like. But um, right. so what is something that you like to see implemented when you're in this space? If you could like say, okay, you know, Mr. CEO, Mr. You know, HR, Mrs. HR, VP or whatever. What's something you really encourage them to like right out the gate start to think about? Growing their people. Mm -hmm. You know, I think that investment in people investment in the technology that helps people in their company is probably the critical piece of it yeah. and making sure that those who they identify as having potential are given all of the tools they need. And the other piece of it is to make sure that they are looking at their workforce and making sure it is diverse, you know, going back to what we were talking about and this extends to, you know, kind of like the bigger mission of, of what pride also means, which is, you know, showing up authentically. You know, so if people can show up authentically to work, they're going to do better for the organization. And it's for the LGBT population, you know, we know that nearly 50% of the, the folks are still in the closet. And that results in stalled careers, lack of confidence, and a whole bunch of other problems that are both psychological and financial. You know, so how do those organizations help to create that safety so people can come out? You know, what, what I've seen with, you know, Fortune 500 companies, Fortune 1000 companies is that they have employee resource groups. Yep. I often encourage people to seek out, if they work at one of those companies, their employee resource groups. Yep. Most of the time, 60% of the time, they're run by an ally of yep. the community. And that is a great place for people to get more involved to make, you know, a, kind of a systematic change at work mm -hmm. because it is possible and the more we see that in corporate America, these big companies, the more we're going to see it with the smaller companies that really power our country. Mm -hmm. And it is so, so easy. Well, I'm not going to say so easy, but it's easier when you are the one that kind of is the instigator in an organization to say, hey, what if we did this? What if we showed up this way? What if we had this? Mm -hmm. uh, one of the local um, 
bars here has been so supportive of the LGBTQ community. And it started with just me and my husband taking a casual meetup group there once. And then the bar stepped up and said, Hey, you know, what if we did this on a monthly basis? And then now we've been doing it, you know, well, we started it last August and that's been showing up and it's been so welcoming and warm and not just because, you know, we don't have a gay bar here in town. It's more, <laughs> this shows the community piece of it, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it was them saying, this is important. This mm -hmm. is important to us. And, and then they have other groups that they support too. And I found it so inspiring because this says this small little pub, it's not a big pub and it's not, you know, a huge monster restaurant here in the area, but it's a small pub. They see the value of mm -hmm. how do we show up as a diverse and welcoming business in this community. Mm -hmm. And I think that's where the grassroots stuff sort of begins for most of us. And for most of you listening, if you're listening, going, I'd really like to be able to do this in my own organization. Okay. It might feel a little scary to like mm -hmm. step up to that plate, but if you do it, you don't know what good will come from it. Mm -hmm. Oftentimes so much good will come from it. And you might be the, the person that everybody's been saying, yeah, I wish somebody would step up and then you step up and do it. And, um, I think it's a matter of trusting yourself, which is part of pride in my mm -hmm. book, mm -hmm. trusting yourself to be yourself mm -hmm. and going, no matter what, this is how I show up. In fact, um, one of the things that John has offered up is if there's anybody listening who would like some coaching around this or knows of a company that could use his kind of services where he comes in and helps kind of put this sort of program into place, he's offering some, some discounts. I think it was, what was it, John, 25% off any coaching or something along Correct. those lines. Yeah. Correct. So um, we will have how to reach John um, on the show page, but it's basically shoot him an email. At, um, why don't you go ahead and shout out your email real quick, man? Sure. It's John at VoltoroCoaching.com and Voltoro is spelled V-O-L-T-O coaching.com. Cool. And I love that you're offering that up, man, because um, all of us bring different things to the world. And I think it's important to know where can you find your resources and your support and how to make these sort of things happen. So as we wrap up here, John, I got a question for you because we're sure. both dads. And yes. <laughs> um, what do you think doing this work shows your own kids? Oh, I love that question. Uh, I talked, I, so I have eight-year-old twins and I talk to them about this all the time. Mm -hmm. And I think what it shows them is that even though when they look out the window, they might see, you know, kindness, that the world is really diverse and that we should appreciate all the gifts that bring, people bring to it and to actively seek it out because mm -hmm. sometimes it's scary for people to share their gifts, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. so to create that safety for people to actually be themselves. Yeah. I think it's such a, all of us as parents, we bring things to our children, but I, and I'm going to be a little bit biased here. I think us gay parents bring a lot of interesting insights to our children about mm -hmm you know, being yourself and showing up in the world and your best strengths and facing adversity and all that stuff because they live it with us. You know, right. there is no hiding, you know, and I know my two girls who are now 21 and 25. In fact, I kind of laughed a couple of months ago, right? Well, not right at the beginning of the whole COVID thing, but kind of, okay, we're hitting the, <laughs> starting to hit the big highs of it. My daughter sent a text message that said some rabbi somewhere was saying this was a gay um, 
you know, this was part of gay disease and why God sent this to us was to, you know, show the gay marriage and all this sort of stuff. And then a week later he got, got hit with it Mm. (laughs) and she sent that and she goes, bye bye hater. And I like, yes, there's my daughter. There we go. Right there, you know? (laughs) And not that it's about showing hate or anything, but it's just about, you know, let's treat each other with respect and let's look at what is it that we do. And and I'm going to get on my soapbox here for just a minute before we wrap up. I want you all to think about how we do this in our own community, because it's, it does, as John said, it starts at home. And the more we can start to respect our own diverse community and being more inclusive to each other, to me, that's at the heart of what pride is all about. So mm-hmm. any last thing you want to share, John, about maybe an inspiration or something that could help somebody who's like, I really want to do something like this in my company. Last words before we wrap it up here, man. Yeah. And it's, it's just to reiterate something you actually said, which is being a leader often is uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Be comfortable with the discomfort mm. and step into it. Definitely. Definitely. So John, thank you again, man, for carving out time, doing the work you're doing and um, being who you are on the planet to make it a more diverse and inclusive space for everybody who lives here. So thanks for being here, man. Yeah. Thank you too. Hey, 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 Life Uncloseted family. Another episode of Life Uncloseted has come to an end and it is time for all of us to sashay away and go face our fears, make those bold moves and stand up to living our life without apology. But before you do, I've got a favor to ask of you. Would you hop over to iTunes or Spotify or Podbean or wherever it is that you're listening to this and just give us a little bit of love if you like what we're doing here at Life on Closet. Here's what it does. It helps other people find the show. It helps other people get to know what we're all about and you just might help change life. In fact, if you really want to change a life, we'd love it if you just ask a friend to take a listen and see what they think. So that's it. Love you all deeply. I'm Rick Clemens, the host of Life Uncloseted and never stop stepping out, stepping up and stepping in to living your life uncloseted.